0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. We've looked over the past several weeks at many different aspects of Joseph's wife, uh, life, not his wife. And uh, today, there's a very sp- uh, specific facet of his life that I do want to focus on. I want to look at his character. Uh, Joseph grows into really this incredible man of integrity. And uh, if you just think back to where we've been thus far, Joseph, remember, is hated by his brothers. Remember, Jacob shows him favoritism. Never a good thing. And he makes him this coat of many colors. And so they just, and then God gives him this great dream. And so they just literally despise him. So much so, in fact, that they decide to sell him as a slave so they can profit off of him and then get rid of him. And um, he's taken then to Egypt. And there he's surrounded by very godless and pagan people. I mean, Think about this. He is in a, a place where he's really isolated from godly people. It's a whole new culture. And yet, Joseph remains this incredible man of integrity... Even though he's, I mean, you know, he serves Potiphar so well and then he's falsely accused of, of attempted rape and he's thrown into prison and, and just, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And yet through all of this turmoil, all this trouble, all these dark times, Joseph keeps his integrity. I mean, this is a man of character. So that's encouraging to me because... I want to be a man. I hope you want to be men and women of godly character. Is that one of your goals? I hope so. And you know what? In the world in which we live in, it is very, very difficult. Very difficult, isn't it? To to live a godly life because of the world around us. I mean, isn't it much easier just to kind of assimilate and just live like everybody else? that's not what we're called to do. We're in the book of 1 Peter on Sunday and you know they they feel the same way these believers that Peter's writing to and it's just so interesting. P- Peter reminds them, "Hey, remember live holy lives." He he's reminding of them of this and so Joseph manages to walk in holiness as unto the Lord and it's really incredible. So I think this is really encouraging for us. Especially we have the Holy Spirit, right? So there's no excuses. America needs people of godly character and integrity, don't we? The world needs men and women of godly character and integrity. So that's what I want to speak on for the next few moments. Um, As you probably already know, character goes way beyond what we do. It reaches to the core of who we are. See, Christianity is not just about doing certain things. It's really about being. Uh, Christ changes us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. Now, our attitudes, our, our, our inside changes, those absolutely result in outward changes, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to watch the same things I used to watch, listen to the same things I used to listen to, behave the same way I, I used to behave. Um, I, I just do the same things I used to want to, to do. Because when we change from the inside, we change on the outside. But I I want you to see this character is not just about what we do. It's about really who we are. And so Christians are called to be people of character through that inward transformation. Um, And then we're to display that character through good works. So in Matthew chapter five, great example, we find Jesus famous sermon on the mount So he begins by teaching about these inward traits that real followers of Jesus possess. You're familiar with these. We call them the Beatitudes. We should be poor in spirit. We should realize our own spiritual hopelessness. We should be people of meekness, right? Blessed are the meek. We should be people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. These are inward qualities. We should be people who are pure of heart. And we could go right down the list, and then immediately after saying that, he says in verse sixteen, he says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify their Father who is in heaven." So there's a, there's in one sense, you know what we are to um, we're to change on the inside, but then that inside change should spark outward change where everyone else can see those good works for the glory of God. So godly character is exhibited by good works. Uh, There should not be a disconnect in who we are and what we do. I always laugh about this. If somebody finds out you're a Christian and they're shocked, you may not really be a Christian. Like, oh, you really? Um, No, there there shouldn't be a disconnect. Uh, You you can't say you're kind hearted and, and Be a gossip and a backbiter and treat people like garbage. You're not kind-hearted, right? There's a problem on the inside. You can't say you're generous if you act stingy, right? You can't say you hunger and thirst for righteousness if you feel your time watching most of the garbage that's on television. You can't say you hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know what you hunger and thirst for. You can't say you're a thoughtful person if you, uh, uh, you know, thinking of others, if you constantly demand your own way. So, see, there's no disconnect between the inside, the heart, and what's out of, what's the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So, what goes in, what is on the inside, is going to come out. So, um, our actions, here's what actions do. Actions, they're a good indicator of our character. They're an indicator. So, and here's, let me just add this. They're especially a good indicator when we're under pressure. See, like you can act kind and tender-hearted when things are going well for you, but when the pressure's on and people have upset you, how do you act when things are not going well? That really, that's the, like the, the, the pressure point for you. That really brings out what's on the inside. So that is the best gauge. How do I act when I am under pressure, when things aren't going great for me? So in Genesis uh, ch- uh, chapter, j- excuse me, 40, I see at least three marks of godly character in the life of Joseph. And these marks ought to be uh, present in our own life as well. So, I'm just going to move through these real quickly. So, let's go Genesis chapter 40 and just begin in verse 1 here. All right, ready for this? It says this Sometime after this, the cupbearer of Egypt, uh, of the king of Egypt, and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. And they continued for some time in custody. I mean, this is incredible. Joseph's in prison. And even there, I mean, he's been he's so trustworthy. He's been given all this responsibility. Verse 5, One night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces so downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there was three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened in the grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And there also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. This is a crazy dream. Do you guys dream like this? Three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up uh, your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Interesting story, isn't it? Um, Let me just give you out of this quickly three marks of Christian character. These are three things that I see in Joseph's life, godly character. Number one is tenacity. Joseph, Joseph is tenacious. Do you see this? I mean, most people would just throw in the towel by, by now if they'd been through what, half of what he'd been through. Look at verse 5 uh, of, of chapter 37, if you want to turn back just a, a few chapters with me. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So God gives Joseph this dream, showing him he's going to be a great leader, right? And God has this purpose for his life. He's a 17-year-old man, and he's excited about the plans that the Lord has for him. And he quickly becomes a dream tach- chaser. Have you ever chased a dream before? Running after what God has for him. Yet over the next several years, I mean, he just, he takes one step forward, and it seems that he was taking two steps back. Knockdown down after knockdown down after knockdown. down. Hardship after hardship, yet... He is so convinced that this is God, this is God's dream, not my dream, that he just keeps fighting and moving forward. He never gives up. He never gives in. He keeps going. He keeps running the race. This is tenacity. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul, looking back upon his life, he's now on death row. He says this, I fought the good fight, I finished my course, and I have kept the faith. In other words, I kept running. I kept doing what I was called to do. You know, so many Christians today, I should say so many people who claim to be Christians, are so fickle, aren't they? They're so fickle. One moment they're excited about something the Lord's called them to do, and a week later they've lost the vision, something happens, uh, so trivial, and yet they quit. I see this all the time, not only in ministries, but even in church. Church. People come in and they're, they're happy. Listen, my family's in church. We're excited. We're excited every Sunday. And then in a month, we don't see them again. Just fickle. I, I just uh, text one of our leaders, uh, Carol Bells, who is our, our women's ministry leader. Just uh, on Easter, we had our, you, you, if you were here second service, you heard this, but we had between the two services, we had record attendance, 230 people. When I, it, yeah, it's good. you can give God glory for that. That's, it's an awesome thing. We're excited. And, um, and we had this salvation. On, um, first service was incredible. A uh, guy by the name of David Short was gloriously saved and um, just ex- went home just really ecstatic after, I, "I hope you left Easter morning like that. I mean I just and, and if you could look back in, at our church three years ago, even, uh, I've been here almost five. You know, I I thought, Lord, I must have missed you. I'm looking out here, I'm preaching. Like, this sometimes looked like a Sunday morning crowd. Like, I mean, it just, uh, that's a little bit exaggerating, just a bit. But um, not much better than that some weeks. And uh, I'd have people leave, and and the money wasn't good, and and all these different things. And I just thought, Lord, um, maybe I missed you. Maybe I missed you. But the Lord just reminded me of the the call. You know, this is what I've called you to. And so... On Sunday, I just, after church, I just looked back and I just thought, man, look what the Lord has done. And uh, no one achieves success by themselves. Number one, it's the Lord. It's all the Lord. But I'm grateful here for the team that God has given us. And I'm, um, I, I, can, I can look around and I can see several people who have been here from the beginning um, with me and, and years before I came here. We probably only have about 10 people here who are from the original church, but I'm grateful for those ten, maybe fifteen people that, that we have, and I just text Carol. And Carol has been the women's director since I've been here, and way uh, way before. And she's been somebody who has just been consistent, um, just consistent. And I just texted her yesterday. I said, Carol, we're we're here a lot because of you. Um, I just want you to know you've had a huge impact on this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. She listen. There's been issues amongst women in church like in, you know, we're people, right? Uh, every church has issues. But I said, you could have left so many times. This is what I was thinking. She could have left so many times. And you just you have stayed. You believe this is where God wants you. And you have just fought the good fight. And I just so, and, and I, I look around and I see, you know, Randy back there, Steve, and Winston's back there, and um, Adam and Rebecca are here. And, you know, some of you have been here for just a long time. And, and so I, I just love that. That's not a trait that we see. When we do membership classes now, I tell people, listen, you're here long enough, somebody's going to hurt your feelings one week. I mean, and it's not hopefully going to be intentional. But. You don't walk out when somebody hurts your feelings. You you meet with them. You do what the Bible says is Matthew 18. You work through it. Why? Because we're family. Do you walk out on your family when you have a tiff? Now, listen, there are times I believe this um, that God calls you to another church. That's a different story. But I don't think he calls you from church to church to church to church, you know, every year, every six months. Like if you're if you're constantly uprooted, you're never going to grow. Put your roots in. uh, Dig down deep. Here's what I tell people. You know the time to leave if if God's calling you? It's probably when things are really, really good. When I was in Greeley, Colorado, as an associate pastor, about three years in, things were not well at Greeley First Assembly. And I was miserable. And I had a church in Winchester here call me, wanted me to come be their music pastor. And I was just, anything to get out of there. Anything to get out of there, right? And I came in. I actually candidated um, for this position. And I just had a horrible feeling when I was, when I was there. Not, nothing against the church. And I just thought, I, something doesn't feel right. So I stayed. And in the last three years, I was there almost six years in Greeley. The last two years, especially the last year of my ministry there, was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. And I mean, I... Matter of fact, my pastor had, had talked to me, he said, Chris, you know, you, you would be a, a great candidate to be the next pastor here. And that was my intention. Like I could see being at that church forever. So when God spoke to my heart and told me to, to leave and come to what was then faith assembly, I can promise you it wasn't because I, I knew it wasn't because things were bad and I just wanted an out. No, my heart was broken to leave. Greeley First Assembly. And so here I am today. So I would say that, you know, often if God's calling you to a different ministry or a different, you know, whatever it is, often it's normally going to be a pretty good season. So um, and it's not just just talking about church. I'm talking about maybe God's called you to start a business. Maybe he's called you, whatever it is, um, pursue that um, thing that he's called you to pursue, and, and fight for it. And don't give up. It's going to be hard. Just because God... Here's what we see in Joseph's life. Just because Joseph has a dream doesn't mean that that dream comes easy. I mean, the dream's from God. That's very clear, right? You can agree with that? Is it, does that mean it's automatically easy? No. Listen, I believe God wanted me to marry my, my wife. Has that been an easy road? <laughs> yes just in case she's listening. All right. Um, No, you know what? Whatever God calls Listen, life is tough. Every situation is tough. So anyways, I found that here. Listen, I was convinced. I am convinced God has called me here. He's called me here. I believe the pastor for a lot of years. I'm getting ready to go on sabbatical. And I had uh, one of my board members call me. She said, hey, just to verify, like you're not looking for another job or anything during this, right? I said, no, I'm not looking for another job. Hope to be here a minimum of 20 years. I think the church needs longevity, not just from the people, but from leadership as well. That's the way we're going to grow. So I, I, I just I believe God wants me here. But here, here's the thing. It's not near as easy as I thought it was going to be. When I came here, listen, I thought, man, this thing's just going to bust wide open. It's going to be so great. And because I because I knew it all right as an associate pastor. I knew it all. Then I go, wait, I know nothing. I found out like my first week here, I know nothing. And so that's where we're at. But we keep pressing forward. All right. So we see this in, in, in Joseph's life. He is tenacious, right? He is, uh, he's just sticking with it. Number two, not only is he tenacious, but he is tenderhearted. Here's something. This is interesting, I think. Isn't it easy when we are tenacious, we're driven to lose our tender heartedness? We can be so... We we can be so tenacious. We can be so determined, so goal focused that we'll run over anybody to make happen what needs to be happen. What needs to happen? Have you ever been like that? I've I've gotten in that. I mean, you're just kind of like in the game. You're you're, in, you're focused and you'll just run over anybody because you're on a mission, right? So what I love about Joseph is not only is he uh, tenacious but he's also very tender-hearted. We see this balance, obviously, in Jesus Christ, I mean, so clearly. During his earthly ministry, he is incredibly focused on his mission. I mean, I I was thinking, you know, we celebrated Palm Sunday a couple weeks ago, and he's on the road to Jericho, heading to Jerusalem. Jericho was a pretty... uh, uh, or he's going from Jericho, excuse me, from Jericho to Jerusalem and he is uh, Jer- that city of Jericho there pretty rough place a lot of beggars on the road thieves would hide out there but Jesus is is getting ready to head into Jerusalem and for the the final week of his earthly ministry he knows what's ahead he knows he's going to be crucified soon he's got all this on his mind and yet remember the the man the blind man by the name of Bartimaeus he's sitting on that road and he's crying out to Jesus. He's a blind beggar. He has nothing to his name. And he's begging for alms of the the travelers. And all the people around him are telling him, be quiet, leave Jesus alone. He's he's too busy. He's, He's on a mission. And Jesus is on a mission, a pretty important mission to save the world, right? And yet I love the thought that Jesus just stops. He just stops. You think of the story, um, the, the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that? The, th- uh, the throngs of people gathered around Jesus. She touches the hem of his garment. She's healed. And he stops and, and, and he talks, converses with her. Well, in the meantime, remember the man by the name of Jairus? His daughter um, is dying. I mean, he just takes time. Here, multitudes are pressing Jesus, and he takes time to go with Jairus. I mean, he just, he's a tender-hearted Savior. Yet, I could say Christ is pretty tenacious, right? He stuck with the plan of God all the way to the cross. And so this is what we see in Joseph. He's been through a lot at this point. It would be easy here for him to play the victim card, to be mad at the world, to be indifferent towards others, to have a bitter and a hardened heart. And yet we find him, while imprisoned, mind you, showing concern towards others helping them interpret these dreams. The cupbearer, the chief baker, they they hold very prominent positions with the king. They're essentially responsible for what he eats. The threat of assassination attempts by poisoning the food or wine, very common then. So these men have to be above reproach. The Bible doesn't tell us what the offense is against the men, but the king is angry with, with them, and presumably he got sick after a meal. And we don't know why, what happened exactly, but it's bad enough for them to be put in prison and for one of them to lose their life. And while in prison, each of these men have this dream and Joseph just takes time and he sits down with them. Think, of, if you've been all through all that Joseph has been through, are you going to take time and sit down with another prisoner? Or are you just going to say, man, leave me alone? Just leave me alone. Think about it. But Joseph is so tender hearted. He shows concerns for others. Think of this. Remember Potiphar's wife who hits on him? I mean, she hit on him. Right? He's probably not been with anybody. He's not been with anybody's, Right? He's, I mean, he, he left at 17. It's been a long time now. And, uh, you know, he's got feelings, right? He's got urges. And, hey, he didn't go looking for this. It came to him. And after all he's been through, he could have this attitude. What so many—it's called entitlement, so popular today, right? This attitude of entitlement. Well, after all I've been through, I deserve. I deserve. I deserve. But no, he keeps his integrity. He says no. No, you're his wife. How could I do this to Potiphar? How could I do this to God? And he just keeps his integrity, and he he cares so much. I mean, about Potiphar, who was his master. So not only is he tenacious, but he is very tender hearted. This is how we're supposed to be. Let me read you a scripture out of Colossians chapter 3. Put on then, this is verse 12, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Would people say that you have a compassionate heart? Kindness. Humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must, forg- you must also forgive. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Listen. Each of us have our own issues to deal with. Is there anybody in here who doesn't have an issue to deal with? We've all got issues, but while dealing with those issues, we have to still be willing to be compassionate towards other people. If we're going to reach this city, we must be tenderhearted towards other people. It's not just about being tenacious towards a vision. Oh, God's given us a vision. If we have, we can chase the vision all we want. If we don't care about people, we're not going to grow. We're not going to reach people. We're not going to help people. We're not going to point people to Christ. Oh, we need the vision. See, we need that tenacity and we need tenderheartedness. One more thing I'll mention here. One more trait that Joseph exemplifies, and that is Truthfulness. Truthfulness. He's got the tenacity, he's got tender-heartedness, and he's got truthfulness. He never compromises his integrity to help him move forward in what God has for him. He never, ever, ever compromises his integrity. Now, think about this. The baker and the cupbearer both have dreams that are given to them by God. But unspiritual people cannot un- understand spiritual things. So they have no... D- clue why they dreamed this. Joseph knows because he's close to the Lord. So he tells this cupbearer, he listens to the dream, and Joseph says, I've got great news for you. Your dream means that in three days, Pharaoh is essentially going to restore you. You'll once again hold this prominent position. This is great news. This means that trust has been restored to the cupbearer. Joseph gives him an honest interpretation when it's good news. But now what about the chief baker? Not so good. Again, Joseph listens to the dream, compassionate. He relies on God for the interpretation. And The baker, after hearing this interpretation uh, for the cupbearer, was eager to hear about the meaning of his dream. Like, hey, tell me, what's good for me? And here's what he says. This is not so pleasant for you. God reveals to him that the meaning of the dream is in three days, Pharaoh's going to hang you. Sorry about your luck, right? But here's what I love. Joseph could have, he could have said, listen, maybe if I, I don't want an enemy here. I mean, this is Pharaoh's guys, right? Like, I don't want an enemy here. So maybe I'll just make this dream sound a little bit nicer than what God's told me. Just kind of help the Lord out. I mean, he really helps his, uh, you, you know, he really just, I mean, tells the truth no matter where he's at. I love that. I mean, he stands up again to Potiphar's wife. I was reading this morning <coughs> in my quiet time um, in Genesis and uh, the story of Abraham. Remember when Abraham lies? Uh, I believe he's in Egypt. Remember, he lies about his wife. He says it's his sister. And uh, they, the, the curse of God comes down. The plagues come down on this uh, city because Abraham's lied. He goes, dude, why'd you do this to me? And Abraham's trying to protect himself. He's chasing a a dream just like Joseph. God's given him a dream. He's chasing it. But he's trying to help God out here. And he's compromising his integrity to help God out. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your help. You never have to compromise your integrity to help out God. All right? Listen, there there have been times um, that the message that I preached um, the week before Easter... I put it off and put it off and put it off. God was burning it on my heart. But I was afraid I was going to lose people. But it's a truth that needed to be preached. I wanted to preach it with the right heart. And and so we we have to be willing as as leaders to to do that, to do what God wants us to do. That's integrity to say what he wants us to say. Give the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So this is what we see in Joseph, um, and, and I just love it. Uh, I, I believe this, that um, we owe the world the truth. We owe the world the truth. Think about this. Um, Jesus was hated for telling the truth. Oh, he was tenacious. He was tenderhearted. He was also very truthful. I mean, the religious people hated, hated him. Why? He told the truth. He exposed them. Proverbs 27, 6. I love this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Somebody who calls you their friend, who is always just telling you what you want to hear, is not really your friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That means if I'm really your friend, I'm going to wound you every once in a while, and you're going to wound me every once in a while. Why? Not because we're trying to hurt each other. No, because the truth hurts. You ever been hurt by a good friend before because they told you exactly what you need to hear? Or a spouse? See, we need to be church godly people. People of godly character. So how do we do this? Um, how do we become people of godly character? I think it's very simple. I think we yield to Christ. If what we put in is what comes out, I think we need to put in the right stuff. I want to say this very clearly. I'm not trying to be a legalist, okay? I'm really not. I don't, I just, let me just say it like this. There's a lot of garbage on TV and radio today. I mean, some of the stuff I just blows my mind that I, that's on television. What you put in, and I'm not just talking about horrible, horrible shows. I'm, talk, I'm talking about even some stuff like what you let your kids watch. My, my kids used to w- want to watch Disney, and Nickelodeon, like the Teen Nick. And then they were like being real smart Alec. And I'm like, where are they getting this from? And you watch these shows and this has turned into humor. The kids are smart aleck. The parents are idiots. And that's what they're made out to be. And so you just I'm just saying you better be careful. I'm not going to tell you don't watch this. Don't watch. I'm just saying you better be careful what you put in. And you better put in the right stuff. Like if you're never reading the word of God, your insides are never going to change. I, I think the, the you know, if, if your church attendance is spotty, you're not under the preached word of God. If you're if you're not a regular attender, you're go- you're probably not going to demonstrate this kind of character. I think we grow, the more we put in, the more we, we um, feed that spiritual self. You know, what Jesus say? Again, going back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It means I, I hunger for things that are going to make me more righteous. Now, I'm righteous positionally by Christ, my position in Him. But that means I hunger for the Word of God. More than I hunger for Netflix. Okay? Because I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to grow spiritually. I want to pray. I want to commune with God. These are things that help us. So just yielding ourselves to Jesus Christ through prayer, through the reading of the word, through serving all these different things that we're called to do. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, I don't just go to church on Sundays and do my own thing through the week. No, the old me is dead. I'm totally Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. I belong to him. He says it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives visit us online at myrealchurch.org.